We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in to another episode of The Pod is the Roof, the Field of 68's very own UNC basketball podcast. Of course, I'm joined as always by my co-host, Riley Davis. We got a special guest in the building today. You may know him as a former Tar Heel. You may know him as a former Milwaukee Buck. I refer to him as the guy who carries Rob Doster and Jeff Goodman on After Dark. (laughs) <laughs> but it's John Henson in the building today. John, how we doing, man? Doing well. Uh, obviously, in in lieu of the past weekend, we're we're feeling good right now as as a unit. So uh, I'm, I can't complain. I agree, man. The vibe the vibes are as high as they've been around the program in quite some time. Riley, how are you feeling? Yeah, man. I think I, I hinted at this last show we did. Uh, I was at that UNC Charleston Southern game, like right after Christmas. And I think like that was the best Dean Dome crowd I've seen at a post Christmas game, probably since John was playing there. Like maybe realistically back in like the 2015, 16 season when we made the national championship. Um, so it seemed like the the whole city is bought back in the town of Chapel Hill, alumni, students. It's It, it feels like you know, we were sort of heading to this point, but to just start ACC play with two road wins, one against a team that's had Carolina's number um, kind of throughout Hubert's two and a half, three years here now. And then another one with Clemson, like I know that UNC historically has played really well against them, but, you know, Little John is a tough place to play. I, I, again, on the last pod, I said there's something about that giant paw print on the middle of the court that I think messes with dudes' minds. Like we've had some tough games there before. We've watched some some brutal outings from the from the Tar Heels so to to get wins in both of those games especially this Clemson one and, and feeling like UNC is going to be at worst ranked sixth or seventh tomorrow in tomorrow's AP poll uh, I mean I can't complain at all I'm feeling great absolutely so John you're a former player you've played in little John yeah. you know this Clemson team they came into ACC play with some very high praise now I wasn't necessarily sold I didn't think they really faced a lot of adversity yet but you know this is an offense that averages like 81 points a game. You go into Little John, you hold them to 5% from behind the arc and 55 points. What did you see defensively that just blew your mind? You know, it's just, I think as a unit, they mesh well. They complement each other defensively. You know, they've got size on the perimeter, which is something that 
I can't remember the last time we've had size on the perimeter. Uh, even Cormac Ryan and Harris Ingram have integrated. I mean, they're, they're, they're fire, their pride for having that jersey on kind of exudes through how they play. They're just kind of like a steadying force. So, you know, defensively, those guys, it, it's kind of like they feed off each other, man. Like, you know, I, I like to say Cormac spearheads that, man. He, he, he slides, he gets after it, you know, and everybody kind of falls in line. So defensively, you know, we look like the Carolina of old. We rebound one possession. And then offensively, we run it. We're looking, we're looking like the old UNC. Just from an eye perspective, you watch them play, it, it looks good. It looks like it ha- it hasn't looked like that in the last three or four years. Now mm-hmm. it's kind of turning into that run and gun, defend, score the ball type of team. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Riley, what like we talked about this a lot in the preseason especially, we knew the offense was like top 10 to 15 in the nation good. But like, are they potentially a top 20 to 25 defense when it's all said and done with how well they're meshing? Yeah, I mean, right now, uh, I think UNC checks in at 16th in adjusted adjusted defensive efficiency on Kimpom. And I want to say they were like 49th or 48th, even after the Charleston Southern game, uh, definitely around that area after the UConn game. So to jump up 30 spots after two games is insane. Um, you know, I think I don't want to be too much of a Debbie downer, but I think Carolina benefited a little bit from some good shooting luck against their opponents, like Clemson and Pitt both missed some clean looks. But for the most part, I've been impressed with how they've been contesting shots um, and the aggressiveness and the physicality that they played with. Uh, it seems like, Carolina or more specifically Hubert Davis has moved away some from like switching every screen that we were seeing at the start of the year. Looks like to me, at least there's been more hedging in there and uh, sort of minimizing getting guards switched on to bigs, which was a a bit of the issues we faced earlier in the year. Um, But I I think also just as importantly as some schematic shifts here and there and playing with more aggression is how good Armando has been really the past four games. Like uh, you're seeing the, the results of him slimming down uh, this off season. I thought against Pitt in particular, he looked great uh, switching against guards. And then this Clemson game, like he really (laughs) took PJ hall out of the game completely. Like this was a, this was an Armando game that looked like 2022, final four run Armando where he's mobile enough to switch on to perimeter players but he can still sort of protect that he can give you some rim protection he can take your opposing bigs out of rhythm and his his stat line was like again 14 points 16 boards three blocks um like that's exactly what you you want to see out of him because it was very reminiscent of what he did during the title run and and good to see him have a bounce back performance there but yeah, John, is there anything that, like, again, you were the defensive anchor during your time at Carolina. Like, what have you seen from Baycott and some of the the ways in which he's even elevated his play recently? No, I think offensively, you know, he's not necessarily where he wants to be offensively, but he's not letting it affect his game. He's rebounding at a high level. I think he took that P.J. Hall challenge personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he effectively ended P.J. Hall's ACC Player of the Year kind of steamroll right like now it's you know we, he's still favored probably with rj but you know everyone's kind of has to take a step back right like okay well who, who's who's going to step up so shout out to him doing that um and yeah he's been affected the game different ways he's been in school for a long time he's he's a savvy grizzled vet and uh he showed that against pg hall just just took on the challenge and and shut him down with his physicality um, which I'm glad, man. You know, PJ Hall was on field of 68, man. You know, you know, he was he was talking a little crazy. So you know, <laughs> let's 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 calm it down, Clemson. 
I'm listen, I'm telling you, man, like that's what I like though. I feel like in the years past, like the team, even when they were talented, like they didn't have that dog. They didn't take stuff personally. Like they didn't play fit. Like Armando now, he, he was not letting PJ take his lunch. He, he knew he knew what, what was up. Also, he probably did it for his guy RJ, because listen, on this side, we team RJ ACC player of the year. Let it be known. I mean, if if, if this if if this, if this goes how it's going now, right? As far as his offensive output in Carolina keeps playing at this level, I think he's a shoe in. Especially with Clemson kind of stumbling down the stretch, I think if RJ can have another week or two where he, you know, scores twenty and and, and Carolina keeps winning, mm-hmm. I'd be the front runner for sure. Yeah, it's like I don't know. I don't know if if it's the size. I mean, we've talked about this. I mean, I want to hear your your input on it, but he just seems disrespected, not even in the ACC Player of the Year race. I haven't seen enough people talk about him as a first or even second team All-American, and I don't get it. The dude's playing like a top five guard in the nation. Yeah, I mean, the scoring record, I mean, for you to say any type of 20-plus point scoring record at UNC with all the guys that came through there, that that's a, that's a feat in itself, but – He's just got to stay consistent. I think the noise is coming um, mm-hmm. with how he's playing. And, and like I said, Carolina's got to be able to handle prosperity. There's this, I mean, we have a, I mean, a massive game at NC State. I mean, it's massive because NC State looks good on paper. They've got some decent wins, but they haven't really beat anyone. I think we're going into their place, right? Yeah, yep. it's at their PNC. Place. They're playing well. Carolina's coming off a big win out of Clemson. Classic let down moment right for mm-hmm. the top. So this game I'm I'm nervous. Let's just say that. But hopefully they can, you know, I people ask me, hey, what do you think about the game on Saturday? I say, you know, honestly, if I was just kind of a regular fan, oh sure, Carolina, NC State, let's what nah, like we we don't play by NC State over there. Like we don't we don't like the red. We Coach Williams, we used to always say, huh, don't lose a dupe. No, don't lose NC State. And so that fire is going to be bred into them. So I, I like them to play well, but um, it's going to be a fun, it's going to be a fun ride. Now that they kind of got a little momentum behind them and, and, and finally people are believing in, Hey, look, these, these guys are for real. Hopefully they can handle prosperity and uh, you know, go from there. Yeah. I don't want to move on to NC state just yet. I do think we should hit on it and preview that some, but I got to ask like, John, what was, what would Roy even say to y'all like before the NC state games? Like I know that man hated NC state more than just about anything. And I even think back to like the year where UNC made the two years ago when UNC made the national championship run that, that game against NC state in the Dean dome was Roy Williams day. They honored Roy Williams. And I think they were ahead by 30 in the first half. Like there's something about Roy that I think elevates the team's game against NC state, but is it anything that he says? Like what, what is it? Oh. Do you guys know the story of kind of why he doesn't like NC State? So, I like, back in the day, I don't know specifically what happened. I'll, I'm actually calling the NC State game in a couple of weeks, so I'm actually calling my ass. But something happened. He was an assistant, a grad assistant, and some dude at the scores table just, I mean, pissed him off. Don't know what he said. <laughs> I don't remember exactly what happened. But he, for that from that day forward, he always held a grudge against NC State. So, now he wasn't the coach to say I want like, but he would never say anything about it. But mm-hmm. his preparation was different. His energy uh, was different. His demeanor was different. Practice was different against the NC State. Like we kind of we'd always look at each other like, okay, 
Coach kind of wants this one, like noted, right? So, right. I guess that, that makes sense as to why mm-hmm. we have partial ownership in that university. <laughs> I was it's crazy, you know, Coach Williams. He called me the other day. I talked to him. He was like trying to get my address for Crips card, and you know, he's always like, "Man, John, good to hear you. Good to see you hear your voice. You know, you're one of my favorite guys." And so when I'm researching this NC State game, you know, I always look at my stats against the team, some stuff to put in my notes. I think when I was, I averaged like eight, 17 and 15 and six against NC State. So like, yeah, like that, right. You know what I'm saying? Like my whole career. So like I was on the same page with him. I didn't want to let him down. This might be why he likes him so much. Yeah. Do you think also part of it is like, yeah, Duke's the bigger rival, but it's also different because if you lose to Duke, at least you lost to someone that has some pedigree and is respectable. Mm-hmm. But if you lose to NC State, it's like, bro, these dudes are chumps. You know what like pissed me off about NC State while I was <laughs> after play them because we would it would always be kind of hype, right, going into it, and we know each other from being around each other. We hang out at the same bars and restaurants, and you know, you would always hear rumors like, "We got y'all this year. We're gonna beat y'all this year," and you just hear all the talk, all the talk. Um, and that would just irk us so much. I'd be like, what are you guys? Literally, like, we probably should beat y'all about 20. If we keep it close, you guys are going to go out and celebrate. So that's, that's the energy, you know what I mean? All right, all right. Let's uh, let's take, take us back to Clemson, JK, because I, I feel like we need to hit on the offense a little bit. Um, <laughs> oh, for you sure. Know, it, was, it wasn't the, the best offensive shooting, but I, I or the best offensive showing, but I still thought there were some positives to take away considering that uh, – you know, Clemson historically under Brownell, they've played tough defense. And I, I think even though PJ Hall struggled this game and had foul trouble, he's been pretty staunch rim protector this year. They have size on, on the perimeter with Chase Hunter. They got size on the wings with guys like Godfrey. Um, I thought it was a pretty, pretty good to see UNC's ball movement, especially in the first half. Uh encouraged me a lot it was going into the break when Carolina was tied especially just because you know they didn't get to the line like they normally do too but um anything that stuck out to y'all particularly offensively from this game I think I think that just the pop the movement of the ball the sharing of the ball man that that right there to me I mean what have you just seen the ball just move and swing effortlessly like that's what I think is the biggest difference I don't know where their assist numbers are in mm-hmm. the country per se but that's and then you know we try to maybe blame Caleb Love but I think it's just one less guy that needs more shots so right the ball's actually going to pop a little more so and RJ's finding his groove so it's just a perfect storm man that's that's what I tell people it's a perfect storm we we they've got a nice roster nice seven eight guys that can really play yeah Yeah, it's like that's kind of like what I say is there's just not those dead possessions anymore like even a bad possession is either they swung the ball, nothing opened up, so they at least attacked and got downhill, or they got a good look and they just didn't hit a shot. Like, that's fine. As long as you're not having those dead possessions where it's, all right, nothing's here, give it to RJ at the top of the key with four seconds on the shot clock and chuck, kind of like UConn did against us, but that's for a different day. <laughs> and, I mean – it's it's just beautiful, man. And also, I think it all goes back to what John said earlier. Actually getting back to Carolina basketball and running the break and running the secondary break alleviates so much of that half-court offensive pressure. I yeah. love it. Yeah, I will say, and even with the, the half-court stuff, like there's a couple plays that stuck out to me that was just like, man, this is um... – 
you know, again, like the, I, th- I think Carolina's shot making against Tennessee and their ball movement against Tennessee was a different level. That's going to be the gold standard for years uh, against a defense of that caliber. But some of it was the same type of like the way they shared the rock. Like uh, I, th- I think it was the first half, maybe our first three that UNC hit. It was uh, Harrison got the ball off a of pick and pop, attacked the paint, kicked out to Cormac for a wide open three. Um, and even I think Armando had some really nice passes out of doubles. Like he fed RJ on a give and go in the first half and then uh, hit Harrison for that clutch three in the second half that put Carolina up nine. I think that's like the, at least the second time that Ingram's hit a clutch three like that out of our Armando double, maybe the third time like that. It it seems like that's something that's money for UNC right now, whenever a team's crawling back. And uh, again, that's where I know I shouted out Armando's defense and his rebounding, but um, you know, last year, anytime he got doubled, would sort of dribble out of it, get back to like the the perimeter, and it was never like there was we were never really making like crisp passes out of it or anything. And I kept looking at someone like Trace Jackson Davis at Indiana. Um, I know TJD is like kind of a a guy for the Warriors now, so I think his, his talent level might be, his his talent level is just different. But uh, what transformed him into an All American last year was like how good he was at passing out of doubles. And I don't think Baycott's on his level as a passer. But after watching last year, I was like, man, this this offseason, I don't think Armando should be focusing on hitting threes or anything. He needs to watch some TJD tape and figure out how to pass out of a double. And he's he's responded really well to that. Well, if if you look at if you were to watch some of the games, you when Armando would make maybe a bad pass out of a double team or, or hold the ball too long, you would you would see Hubert be like, Hey, look, man, just get it out. Just get you would see him telling him like, hey, just move it, just get just pass it. Like, like we got you. So I think that message is finally clicking for him as well. Mm-hmm. Um you know, you're going to attract all the attention and, and, hey, look, big fella, you fifth year, you know, right now it's about winning. You done, you done set every record that's to be set. You're in the top 10 of everything, you know, in, <laughs> including class hours, like, you know what I'm saying? So just <laughs> you know, it's time to win, right? It's time to win. Do whatever it takes to win. And that's what he's doing. Yeah, it's I mean, I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago, Riley, is. You know, we're hard on Armando because we know what he's capable of. But at the end of the day, it's a different beast now because he's the focal point of every defensive game plan, which, yeah, he might not be having the same games that he's had in the past, but it's a big reason RJ's having the games he's having. It's a big reason Harrison Ingram's able to go one-on-one against all these smaller wings and absolutely body them down low. Like, it's it's like he's impacting the game outside of the box score. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like John just said, win at all costs. And that's exactly what he's doing. He doesn't care if he scores eight points, he's going to play defense. He's going to make the right decisions most of the time. And that's kind of the difference. Also, Mm -hmm. another thing that I want to get y'all's opinion on is like, do we think this has something to do with the fact that like, you know, I think Cadeau is probably the first true like pass first point we've had since K Butter. Yeah, he fits the I mold. Mean... When I started seeing, and he has a lot of, uh, he has more of an impact than we ever think. He pushes the pace. Um, he gets guys the ball, and like you said, that's the first time we've really seen someone throwing the ball ahead, right? Like someone mm-hmm. swinging it, someone pass first, you know. So. I love what he's brought to the team, especially being in the starting lineup. I figured it'd be he'd be a starter eventually. Um, yeah, and he's doing more than anything, you know. So, yeah, I think like you know, obviously the the foul trouble has sort of been the talk about him really the past four or five games, but it's sort of been a trend for most of the season. 
I like how aggressive he plays on ball. I think the the strides he's made defensively, like even going back to like the the what was it the blue and white the late what are they calling now live live action that was it like that game <laughs> into like the 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 exhibition like mm-hmm. even in a scrimmage he looked lost and in an exhibition he like didn't really know what he was doing defensively uh like the the strides he's made from that have been huge and um you know I, I hope we we see him I, I just hope it sort of materializes into more like eye popping stats just for his sake. I feel like that should, would give him a little more confidence if he can get like a 10.67 assist game or something. Um, sure. cause you're seeing it like the, the, the way this roster is constructed, I think is pretty favorable for a guard like RJ or a guard like Cadeau who can beat his man off the bounce and get downhill. Like a, another play that stuck out to me from the Clemson game was just a RJ Armando pick and roll where, you know, last year everybody's going to be parked out in the paint and I can't remember who was on Cormac, but like he thought about, you know, helping off and stunting or something or like collapsing onto Armando in the paint. But he's like, Oh no, I, I can't leave Cormac open. And even if Cormac hasn't, you know, shot it high percentage yet, he still has the reputation of, of, shooter and has the career numbers and his gravity commands that attention and i think just if we i would love to see Cadeau get some more opportunity like that to where um he's able to capitalize on some of his ability and gain some of that confidence yeah he'll be i mean he, he's i mean you know he'll probably stay i mean who know you never know these days but i mean he will be the star next year um he will be the guy so you know this year is important for him too to just get comfortable and, and understand, mm-hmm. hey, next year, the ball's in your hand at all times. And we can start seeing some gaudy numbers from him, like maybe like 10 assist games and things like that. So, it could Yeah, be I mean, that's how I feel. Because I even think this year, I mean, I do still think there's a chance. Like, you know, I say it all the time. It's supposed to be a senior in high school. By the mm-hmm. time we get to February, we might be seeing something. Like, for real. Like, okay. we might be – we might be seeing some dangerous stuff. And and he's the guy who, yeah, you know, Ingram's great. RJ's great. My, but, like, he's the guy who, if he gets going, this team's ceiling is ridiculous. Um, it's crazy. <laughs> Thanks. That's a good ceiling, job. That's the roof. That is facts. Um, We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners and the viewers on the field of 68 each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When cross the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts. So download the BetMGM app today. One last thing I got to hit on. Um, for, for me, personally, this is the last thing I want to hit on. I don't know if Riley's got anything, but I feel like we got to talk about Seth Trimble, man. Like mm-hmm. this dude, hey, we talking about ACC Player of the Year, like – they're not going to give it to him because he's not going to have the stats. But this dude might be the most important six man in the conference for real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and he <laughs> he's such a he compliments RJ so well. Like he yes. like he compliments Elliot so well because he gets in there, he can defend. You know, I, I think there's a specific thing a play on the post where um I forget who was posting him up, but he was holding his own. And 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 he didn't need help, and that's so big when you get a mismatch like that down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I remember when he first committed. I like watched some of his film. I can't even remember what the name of his high school was, but he had a. There was some tape of him guarding Patrick Baldwin Jr. And at the time, it was like, oh yeah, PG, PB, PBJ is going to be a lottery pick. I know he didn't really have the career that you know we expected, but he held his own against PBJ. You know, like that's what that's sort of been his reputation throughout this time. Like it, last year, his defense was good whenever he got in, but his he was such an uh, I mean, this is, I don't want to be too harsh, but it was just a negative on offense to where he fell out of the rotation by like late January, early February. And now the fact, I mean, he's seven for 12 on threes for the year. The fact that he can just knock down an open three has completely changed his game and how much you're able to play him. And um, I mean, he's just, he seems like an excellent, like chemistry guy too. Uh, Like he had hit that huge three yesterday, yesterday in the Clemson game too. Like, yeah, he's been awesome this year. He's fine. I mean, you know, you, you you envision, you know, obviously this year is going to be a good year, but, you know, potentially him and Cadeau in the backcourt with his three-point shooting, you know, gets kind of scary, right? Like what, mm-hmm. what future brings, obviously, with the portal and things, it's like free agency. But, uh, <laughs> you know, hopefully it can keep it, kind of keep going. Him, I Cadeau, mean, and Ian Jackson would be some magic. 
mm-hmm. in Chapel and Drake, Hill. Don't forget about Drake Powell. That's gonna yeah. that's gonna be a that, super athletic team next year. Right. Hey, I mean that. See, that's the thing though. It's like I was always worried about Seth because he's so strong and so athletic. And you watch those guys in the league. You watch them in college. Typically, the jump shot is the hardest part of their progression. Like. You know, even Westbrook and D Rose, when they were in their prime playing super athletic and strong, they were never great shooters. But this man, Seth, like, yeah, he's not taking a lot per game, but it's like every time he's open, I just assume he's going to hit it now. Whereas last year it was like, oh, God, I don't know if I want him taking that shot. Mm -hmm. What have y'all seen? Do you think it's the type of shot he's getting to take? Do you think it's the flow of the offense? Did, Did he change something? Like, what are you guys seeing in his shooting form? Um, I think Hubert has a very good, you know, he's got a very good developmental program there. Um, you know, that's one of the things I noticed that was different when Coach Williams ended up leaving. You know, they had their time slots, they had their workouts. Obviously, the rules were a little different, but the time slots for the workouts and they have developmental sessions. And so I think that's finally kicking into gear with, you know, especially with him, right? probably works on the shot summer, you know, has sessions with other coaching staff members. And and that's, I think, one of the reasons why he's shooting it or better uh, per se, just, just the plan, the plan is in place and they've been working on it. And it's finally turning the corner, right? After year after year, you keep doing it. And the pressure's off of him. There's no pressure on him, right? There's, he's, he's not, you're not expecting him to do much for us. You, hey, you defend, you're going to play your minutes. It's we got three guard rotation and, and that all translates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear he's made some mechanical tweaks. He pretty sure he had a hitch in his jumper last year. Um, and I think like when you look at the the tweaks that both he and Ingram have made, um, they're both obliterating career highs and three point percentage. Bodes pretty well for this team. Bodes well for Cadeau's development as well uh, if he stays another year. Um, and honestly, like it's it's really helped Carolina out because I mean both Paxson Wojcik and Jalen Withers haven't shot really close to their percentages from last year too. And maybe that, that sorts, sorts of even sort of evens out as the year goes on. And as like, I know Wojcik's playing time is probably going to stay pretty inconsistent and be like, usually in that two to five minute range. I mean, he had that huge three yesterday though. Like I'll give him a shout out for that. Um, maybe Withers gets a little more comfortable. I think Withers, if he, I don't know, I think he's got a grad year available if he stays another year, hopefully he makes some mechanical tweaks. Cause that his shot to me still looks like it's all upper body. Um, it's yeah. I'm like level surprised. Goes in. The level that goes in. That's, that's yeah, yeah. That's the shot. Like hey, look, <laughs> but, we we got to live with it. He's a capable shooter, but when it goes in, life is good. Yeah, <laughs> he's just J.K. said our last show that he's Withers is good for one wide open miss a game. He, I'm telling you, he he's always open. Like he always gets one open one a game. And there's going to be like a month stretch, I'm telling you, in conference play where he's going to hit him. And his percentage is going to go up. (laughs) But I'm telling you, it's every game. It's usually from the corner. Somehow he slips to the corner. Nobody follows him. He's wide open. I'm telling you, they're going to make that mistake. He might even get two wide open ones in one game and knock both of them down. (laughs) But – I mean, his, I his two threes this year have come against Charleston Southern and Northern Iowa. We need Jalen. We need Jalen to make it. Make just make one against a high major. Opponent. Keep doing the tip. Keep doing tip dunking like that though. True. True. Yeah. I live, live with that. Yeah, he's he had a really a nice tip in against Clemson. Specimen, like he really is a physical specimen for real. And he was good on the glass against Clemson. Yeah. He was really, which like that's again on like we've 
knocked him before for not having the softest hands in the world. But like, yeah, he was, he was a demon on the glass. Like Hubert called his number when Ingram was struggling a little bit on Shefflin and he responded well. So definitely got to give respect to him there. I don't mean that as any knock. We just, it, you, you know, we got to laugh a little bit at some of the wide open threes. But... <laughs> yeah. All right. So that that's, that's how we feel about the Clemson game, man. I just want to say this because I said before we clicked record, like we got some propaganda to push. Um, First off, I'm fully in on there's just no way you can tell me that UNC is not a top five team. And then second off, like, what would you put the percentage at right now of UNC makes the final four? Oh man, I don't like that. I don't like that question. I don't want to jinx anything. You know, if you look at the top five teams right now, Tennessee's in there. We beat, we, we, you know, beat the shit out of them. So, <laughs> so yeah, I put them in the top five. And even Kentucky, Kentucky's up there. And, you know, we were one possession away on a neutral site, right? So, mm-hmm. um, final four, I mean, yeah, if you look on paper, we should be in the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, which is more to say, you know, I think people are kind of worried about jumping on the Carolina bandwagon because of last year. But, uh, you know, we look good this year, man. Those are my thoughts. I don't want to get too bold. I'm not going to fly too close to the sun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I do, I, like, for those who don't know, I do. I write for heatcheckcbb.com as well, and we do a top 25 every week. I ranked Carolina seventh this week. I'm not, I'm not going to put them top five yet. I, like, like, I just – I can't quite get there and say Carolina's as good as – I know Arizona's had some – had scratching losses, but I don't, I don't think they're quite on the – Arizona, UConn, Purdue level. Um, and I give Kentucky the nod for now, too, just because they beat us on a neutral. And then with Tennessee, I still am ranking Tennessee ahead of UNC just because our win was at home, and Tennessee's been really good since then. And I think there's, uh, you know, they're they're solidly top 10 every year because of their defense. Maybe I'm being a little too conservative and, and not wanting to get my hopes up again. But I, I definitely like UNC's chances to get back to the Final Four. Again, like John said, it's, it's way too early to, to, to do that. I don't want to – I'm not going to, you know, jinx anything. But when you look at, like, even the statistical numbers, like the, the Kim Palm numbers, they bode very favorably, as do the, the, the overall, like, kind of settling into a good seven, eight-man rotation and having a guard who can get a bucket when the shot clock's winding down, like that type of safety valve. And – out rebounding both Pitt and Clemson these last two games, showing that we we are starting to see Carolina get back to to some some dominance on the glass. Yeah, I think that's Wait, why I feel the way look, I do. We looked apart. We looked apart. I mean that that's my biggest takeaway from this. Like, like this is what supposed to Carolina basketball, right? Like top mm-hmm. team fighting for a championship, and 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 that's it. I think I feel the way I do because I watch this team and I'm thoroughly impressed. But I'll be honest, I still feel like we got like two more levels we can go up. Yeah. Like I don't even think we've seen the peak of this unit yet. Like I really don't. I you. think there's so many things like, you know, rebounding. Can, can we keep it up? Because we struggled on the glass. Now we're not. If we keep this up defensively and the offense comes back to what it was, I oh. mean, you're. So I don't know. I don't even think they've reached their peak. But now. We gotta get it. We gotta get into a uh, to a few stories before we get to four corners. Um, which John, if you don't know, we do that at the end of every pod. Of course, paying some respect to my guy Dean Smith. But 
we'll give you four options. You got to give us your four answers and it'll be fun. But before that, I got to know, yes, this is a college hoops pod, but also you were on the books with a scrawny kid named Giannis Antetokounmpo, who is now arguably the best player in the league. Like, do you have either an insane Giannis story or like a practice moment where you were like, holy shit, this dude's going to run the league. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You know, I'll give you my story that I tell a lot. Um, even he told it. Um, first day, that was my second year, he gets, he gets off the plane. And they're like, hey, man, John, come on in. Mind you, I'm third year Carolina. I had a, had a pretty good rookie year. This kid's 17, 18 years old, coming out of a third league in Greek. So he's playing like middle schoolers. It's like, get out there, play one-on-one. He could not score me. He couldn't I, – I mean, I beat him in every spot. He couldn't even get a shot off. But he had some savvy little things about him that I could see – that young kids didn't have. Like, I remember when I was posting them up, he had the waist grabs and, you know, a little savvy stuff like that. But literally, like, I, the probably best power forward on this planet when he first had the NBA, he literally couldn't get a shot off on me. <laughs> Within 18 months, I was like, he's, yo, yo, John, yo, come on, check up. No, 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 chill, chill, big fella. I'm really looking, you got it, you got it, you got it. So that's kind of my first Giannis story kind of coming. And then, you know, he was sleeping in the gym. Um, Cause it was just him. His family wasn't there. Wow. Um, and, you know, I think the turning point of his career would be um, one day we were splitting up bigs and guards and he coach J kid was like, Hey, um, Giannis go down up to bigs. He's like, I'm not a big man. He's like, no, no, but he's like, I'm not a big man. And I'm with the guards. So he, he's like, okay, we'll go with the guards. Rest is history, right? I think that was, you know, wow. <laughs> he had to stand on business, and he did, and and the rest was history, like for real. So, so what you're saying is, if Jason Kidd hadn't allowed him to go with the guards, you know, I, I think that day was more, not even that. I think it was more so of a point to where, um, you know, he had to stand up for what he believed in. Yeah, for sure. What he was, and, and it, I think that 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 translated. Hmm. It just blows my mind that he was able to put on like 40 pounds of muscle and somehow keep his agility and quickness and burst. I, I just don't get it. Like it, it doesn't seem humanly possible. 
And then he got 50, 50 chicken minis the day after being a finals MVP. <laughs> That's just as legendary. <laughs> He's, he, I mean, his story from him coming up and stuff, man, it's just, it's amazing. Um, it's why sports are what they are. You know, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? He had just being a, one of the best players in the world coming from where he came from, man. So, you know, I love to see stuff like that. Absolutely. Which, Riley, if do you have anything before we get into this four corners? I'm good, man. Close this with four corners. All right. So, obviously, it's going to be a section of four here. Um, we will stick to college since it is a UNC pod. Four corners. Who are the four toughest, most annoying? Doesn't even have to be from a talent perspective. Just toughest, grittiest, most annoying players that you ever had to play against in college. Ooh, Lance Thomas. He's a good friend of mine. New York Knicks legend. Didn't like him. Um, Let's go. Who else, man? Um, Annoying petty players. Can we go Zubek too? Let's go Zubek. Wow, two Dukies get the nod. Hated Zubek. Um, trying to think of big dudes that I just didn't like playing against. Um, yeah, those. What about like? Remember that game? I'm sorry to bring this up. Your last year at Carolina, where Grant. we got we got blasted by a million at Florida State. That Dukies dude. What was he like? Devities Dukies. I never had to guard him, so it was tough. But Dukies was definitely one of those guys that was annoying. Um, <laughs> Bernard James was annoying a little bit, but that's because he was just a hassle down. He's a grown man. He's like 26 playing. He's like 19 years old. So, <laughs> God so, almighty. It's like, like, like the Perry Ellis effect. You stay mm-hmm. in college long enough. Exactly. You, it's bound to be annoying. Exactly. So, yeah. <sighs> yeah it's, I just always... Last time think... all time pesk. Like I just I did not like playing against him. Was <laughs> it like something he did in particular, or is it just like his vibe would just piss you off? Oh, he just thrived off gritty, dirt, you know, not dirty plays, but just grind off gritty, just just annoying. You know, he did all the little things boxing out, and you know, he that's what he did. And I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he he was like the type of guy who was like Looking at the ref, he was yeah, like, the like, like my, you know, he's my guy. Like, no disrespect. Like, yeah, he like senior year, stayed all four years. He averaged like, you know, eight points, eight rebounds. Like, didn't get the credit. Was like a starter. You know, yeah, his job was to be a pest. Like, that was his role in the team. You know, so who's the biggest pest about, that you played with at Carolina? Biggest pest that I played with at Carolina. <laughs> hmm. Trying to think like a. Defender type that was tough. Got to be Stillman White. I don't know, man. It was, <laughs> that... was my role, though. Um, <laughs> it, like, I think a pest like a defender, just tough to like go against, like, you know, which is a good, like a Pat Beverly type. Um, mm-hmm. Let's go. Can we go like 
maybe like PJ Hairston, man. Like, you know, I, I think I think six six, big body, you know, could guard a strong enough to guard a five, guard a perimeter. He was just one of them young fellas you just didn't want to like, come on, man, calm down, man. Look, man, you, you know, he was an athlete. Um, and he played hard. I think he was probably the biggest pest, if you want to call that, that um, you know. It's still insane. Like looking at that team, I just pulled up the roster from your junior year, that last the last year at Carolina, where you had K Butter Lotto, Hugo Lotto, Harrison Lotto, Zeller first round. James Michael McAdoo got a ring with the Warriors like Hairston a first rounder Bullock a first rounder like that is the fact that the the front court rotation even was you James Michael and Zeller that year is like just an insane amount of talent and I kind of I don't know not to get too nostalgic but those are those are good days when you had a lot of like NBA talent stay three or four years which you know maybe we see more now with NIL but uh, I just remember man you know games were easy man so much talent around game. It was just basketball was just easy. Um, mm-hmm. so that was the best thing about it. You know, at Kendall, you know, at Harrison, our perimeter, Reggie, Z down what there. A- so like me, it was just, it was easy. No one paid attention to me. <laughs> pre <laughs> pre ACL tear Dexter Strickland. Yeah. He was, I bet he was pretty pesky. I mean, he's- I was going to say Dex was like in the back of my mind. Um, mm-hmm. Cause you know, he's one of the more talented players uh, I've ever been around. Um, Cause people forget, well, people don't know Dexter was the number one partner in our class in like ninth grade. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, he went to where he went to high school at, at Kyrie. Sorry, Dexter got played at two. <laughs> so I think that messed him up a little bit in his mm-hmm. progression of, of becoming a point guard, which is what coach Williams wanted from him. Mm-hmm. But I mean, as far as scoring speed, athleticism, I mean, he should have probably started, um, his freshman year, but we had Marcus Ginyard and the old guys in, and he had to wait his turn. But um, he was that good. Yeah, I mean, I just – I was only like 11, 12, but like I remember watching Harrison Barnes his freshman year, and I was like, dude, this guy's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like he was just a flat-out stud. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean – Whenever he announced that he was coming back, I was like, "How? Yeah. Why? <laughs> Why?" <laughs> he 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 was good, man. Um, and he didn't even really get to like showcase his real skill set because you know we were a very team oriented, system oriented type of offense. Hmm. So like we would have a lot. We had a lot of one on one plays drawn up for him. Um, and, you know, we never really got to run him because we were just so good. We didn't need to run him. <laughs> the only time we would run him is uh, at the end of games. I think he hit the buzzer beat at Florida State. He hit a few big shots, but we did, we were literally running at the end of games when we needed to score. Like, all right, let's run, let's run this one-on-one play. We'd be like, I think I remember it. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> Yeah, it's it had to have been hard, too, because – it's just hard to get those one-on-one actions when you have someone like Kendall Marshall who wants to pass to everybody. Yep. Yep. And and he did a good job of spreading it out. And, you know, our, our offensive kind of tier was, you know, get it to big Z, you know, it's a big man school. Harrison's going to talented enough. He's going to figure out ways to score. We get him to rock and then everybody else finds their way. And, you know, that worked for us. Mm-hmm.
Yeah, for sure. Well, listen, John, thank you so much for joining us, man. The first, the first former player, man. We we even got you on here before Hansborough. You know, it's, it's guy, just like we got to get two hands on there, man. Hey. We'll work on it. You, you got to help us. You got to help us pull hey, some weight. I reached here. out to I'm Tyler. Gonna I'm, I'm going to tell him. I'm going to tell you, look, yeah, let's do I a mean, little, do a little double, a little four person, you know, talk a little shit. You know? let's do oh, it. yeah. yeah hey. I've, I've, hey, I've reached out to Tyler multiple times. I'm going to call him out, see if he ever listens to this. Hey. But he's always, he always says he's traveling. He's on the road. He says, All I'm going to say that that first Duke game in February, we might have to come on here talking reckless. Okay. I'm with it. Hey, um, I don't, that might be too many. That, that might be too many big, too much big man propaganda if we have both John and Tyler <laughs> on here. <laughs> Tyler's always on after dark talking about post seals and stuff. Like, come on, no one wants to hear about post seals. <laughs> I get a ball, so <laughs> got to. All right, well, as always, you know, thank you for listening. Drop a like, drop a follow, drop a subscribe on the Field of Sixty Eight Second Channel. Drop it on the main channel so you can watch after dark. And like I said in the intro. Watch John carry Rob Doster and Jeff Goodman on a like every other night basis. We appreciate you guys. We'll be back after the state game. Everyone stay safe. Enjoy some heels hoops. We'll see you next time.